and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bibber, the NFL editor for SB Nation. With me today, as always, Stephen White and Danny Kelly. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Doing awesome. Excellent. That's good to hear. It's December. Like, you know, we, we were off last week. We, it was Thanksgiving. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving, by the way? It was nice to have a little bit of a break uh, from the regular schedule and, and the grind. So, yeah, that was definitely nice. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it really is. And I, I felt like the Thanksgiving games were, I don't know, I never complain about football on Thanksgiving. I feel like, hey, it's, it's, As a rule. it's good TV. At <laughs> least there's something on, you know. Yeah, oh, it's a plus. Nice that, that's right. It could be just like Days of Our Lives and shit on during the day. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's on, but you know. Or like bad holiday movies or something like that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, you know, they weren't the best games, but I was kind of surprised. The Packers, man, what, what the hell's the matter with the Packers? I mean, I know we talked about a little bit about last time. And part of the offensive problems, I think, is still is not having Eddie Lacy kind of running like Eddie Lacy, like we're used right. to seeing. But, man, it's, it's, you know what, four out of their last five games they've lost now. They just have no rhythm on offense, it feels like. Uh, and a lot of that kind of goes to, you know, the receivers are dropping passes and, uh, you know, maybe not on the same page with their, uh, Aaron Rodgers all the time. Uh, but like you said, the run game is a little off uh, or a lot off. And I mean, I don't know. It's it's really weird, just because we've come to expect a certain amount of like uh, efficiency out of Aaron Rodgers, and and he's kind of struggled. So it's a it's kind of a weird thing. Yeah, and he kind of. Well, I mean, I use the word called out, but it wasn't like called out like really dramatically or anything. But you know, right. he was pretty frank in the press in the days after that game that you know, not. It, Everybody could do a little better job, himself included. Yeah. They're just struggling. And so when it's kind of interesting, it makes for an interesting Thursday night game tonight, I think, because you've got the Lions, and they're not neither teams on a short week because they both played on Thanksgiving last week, which was the whole genesis of this discussion to begin with. But it, it was like, it, you know, the Lions have won three in a row now. They're kind of hot right now. Jim Bob Cooter. It's making a difference, right? <laughs> Coach Coot. The Coach Cooter, Coot. the Cooter bomb. Coach Coot. <laughs> they say, uh, they say Mike, Matt Stafford loves his game plans because they're more aggressive. Yeah. And, and you do see that. They throw the ball down the field. I mean, you think it would be a no-brainer. You got uh, Megatron. You got Golden Tate. You ought to be pushing the ball down the field. And that's kind of what I didn't understand uh, about what they were doing to begin the season. So, um, they're kind of just doing what you would expect now. Yeah. And what do you know? It actually worked. So <laughs> uh, I think it, it was just a situation where maybe they were trying to reinvent the wheel and didn't need to. Well, and now I, they're a little bit more, a little bit simpler, you know, getting the ball yeah. in the hand of your playmakers. And other guys are playing well, too. Amir Abdullah had problems with uh, fumbling and stuff. Now he's playing better. Theo Riddick is just killing people in the open field. And he had been hurt. So yeah. uh, their offense is really coming. Their defense is playing better than it had before. So they're a very hot team, and they're very dangerous. Yeah, and you heard that a little bit about, I mean, it kind of got lost in the shuffle because they were okay last season. I mean, they actually made the right. playoffs last season. But the offense wasn't very good last season despite that. And and you heard a little bit about that coming into the year, how the playbook was sort of confusing to Matthew Stafford and, and some of the other guys on that offense. And like you said, Steve, they're one, a classic example of a coach trying to reinvent the, way, the wheel with his playbook instead of letting his kind of players do what they do best. Which always the most frustrating thing in the NFL. Yeah. I'm going to tell you this way. Like now, you know, on Thanksgiving, when they get down close to the end zone and they had a backup uh, – I think they had a backup corner on Megatron. Before, at the beginning of the season, you'd still be wondering, man, are they going to try to run this ball or are they going to try to do some kind of crazy trick play? This time, everybody was like, oh, they're going to throw it up to Megatron. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what? Good things happen when you do that. So, like I said, I mean, sometimes you just got to stand back and say to yourself, 
I have the Jimmys and Joes. I don't have to do the X's and O's so much. Yeah. Let my Jimmys and Joes go out there and ball, and, and, and it makes your job easier. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it even goes back to, you know, what you wrote about the Bills earlier in the season. It's like, why are you dropping Marcel Darius into coverage when his best work is rushing the passer and stuff like that, you know? It's crazy, but... Uh, it's weird when teams use logic. I know. <laughs> so, well, and those things combined, and then you get a week's rest for both teams playing tonight. We might actually have a decent Thursday night football game. I picked the I picked the in this game. I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, the Packers have struggled. It's in Detroit. Um, I mean, it is a thir- it is a, like you said, it's a short week or it's a Thursday game, but it's not necessarily a short week for either team. But I mean, I don't know. I just going with a hot hand on this one because. The Lions sure seem to be playing with a lot of confidence right now. So, and, and you could say the opposite about the Packers. They just seem like really tentative and um, not really sure what the hell is going on. So, I mean, you, like everyone around, I think we are all asking what the hell is going on. It kind of feels like they are too. You know, it's like, what is the deal here? Yeah. Well, and it's a game with playoff implications too. And they we're sure. getting into that time of year now where there's five <laughs> weeks left in the season. This is week 13. There's five weeks left in the season. And uh, suddenly, uh, every week now, we got to kind of talk about how the playoff picture is shaping up. I mean, pretty much all, for the playoff game, the playoff teams are, you know, because this is what we talked about. There's like like 15 or 20 teams like on the cusp right now, you know, like in the five, six range, four, five, six range and wins. And so. It feels like so many games have playoff implications right now, um, just based on the way the the NFLs had so much, like well, whatever yeah. you want to call it, parity or uh, crappiness across the league this year. There's so many teams that are still technically in the hunt. Yeah, so, so many of these games are playoff implications. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and and uh, you've got a situation this week where you can have the Patriots, Panthers, and now you can factor in the Bengals in there can all clinch a playoff spot this weekend. Ooh. Cool. I mean, it's not it's you know, there are kind of those wacky scenarios where it's got to be, you know, if they win and these teams lose or tie and that sort of thing, but uh it's well here, I'll just I'll read it. It's Cleveland Cleveland Brown. They're Cleveland goddamn. They play the Browns. The Cleveland right. Browns. We just lost our Cincinnati audience. yeah a houston loss or tie plus a colts loss or tie plus a jets loss or a cleveland win with a houston loss or tie an indy loss or tie a denver win or tie and a casey loss (laughs) yeah so you know try to keep that in the back of your mind as you go through the week here (laughs) yeah the patriots a little it's a little easier because it's uh win or tie if it, if the Jets lose, basically uh, the Patriots win will lock up the, the AFCs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and then you've got the Panthers. All the Panthers need to do is win this week, and they clinch the NFC South. Mm. And let's be honest, they probably will win. It's the Saints this week. So the worst defense I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, that's bad. And you know, is it does it seem like it shouldn't be as bad as it is? I mean, it's not like they haven't invested in in players over the years. Right. But man, it's just it's I mean, it's like historic literally historically bad pass defense. Yeah, I mean, when you have Jairus Bird and and um now I'm blanking on the safety they drafted in the first round, uh, Vaccaro. When you got guys like that, you expect it to be a little bit better, at least not like the worst in many years. Um, I know Browner's been terrible, and that's kind of contributing to it. And they're going with a guy who is, I guess, technically a rookie in Delvin Bro. So <clears throat> it's not like they've got a murderer's row back there, but their two safeties are really strong, and or at least in theory. And I don't know. It's just uh, at what point do you start questioning? <laughs> I mean, obviously uh, Rob Ryan's no, no no longer there anymore, but I don't know. It's uh, it's 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 strange, I guess, how bad they are. I don't know why why it's been so terrible. Steven, thoughts on the Saints defense? Um I, I just think that under Rob Ryan, 
again, they were trying to do things with smoke and mirrors instead of lining up and playing. Mm-hmm. They have a fantastic young pass rusher in uh, Cam Jordan. And he's still continuing to get pressure and sack every game. But they always want to move him around and get cute and all this stuff. And so maybe moving him around helps him but hurts everybody else. Mm-hmm. Then Jarius Bird has been hurt most of the year. He got hurt last year and yeah. missed a bunch of ga- games at the beginning. He's actually coming on strong. But they've had some other injuries in the, in the secondary, which, as Danny said, now you get uh, Dalvin Bro playing. And I, you know, I love his attitude, but he's not necessarily all that good. But at least he, you know, he has some fight in him and stuff like that. Um, but just how they run their defense is so <sighs> random. You know, it, yeah. you, you can't really discern why they're doing any of the any of the things that they're doing. And so, you know, it's, it's even hard to evaluate individual players because you're like, why in the hell does your coach have you doing this right now? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, maybe they'll get better uh, with Rob Ryan out, out of there. Didn't really look like it this past week as they got marched down on them. You know, it, uh, and scored on at the beginning of the game. Yeah, but um, maybe just simplifying everything will help everybody because it, it just half the time it, it looks like half the guys on the field don't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's weird. I, I don't know the the whole New Orleans situation is kind of bizarre because I it's mm-hmm. it feels like this is a franchise that's about to go through kind of a major transition and. And this is probably a good segue into another topic we wanted to hit today. We're just talking about kind of some of the the early reads on the coaching situations around the NFL because, uh, you know, New Orleans, the the, uh, the the stuff with Drew Brees, like his cap number and his contract and his age has been out there. I mean, it's something that people have been talking since talking about since August or even before that, really. I mean, going all the way back to draft season. But uh, they have if the cap goes up to 153 million dollars, which is which was kind of the the upper end of the estimate given out by the NFL at the owners' meeting this week. Now we'll see what it actually ends up being once the players' union gets involved in the negotiation for that. But um, if the Saints, if the cap's at 153 million, the Saints will be over the cap by about a million dollars, and that'll only be for and that's including dead money, and that's only 41 players accounting for 153. Point eight million dollars in New Orleans, so that gives you a little bit of the situation that the Saints are facing heading into the off season. And now there's the rumors, uh, and I saw them bubble up again yesterday that the Dolphins are interested in Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting, and obviously the Dan Campbell honeymoon is a little bit over at this point. Surprise, surprise! <laughs> you Even mean though. to tell me Oklahoma <laughs> drill this is solve all the damn problems? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy that the uh that having players wear black jerseys and do oklahoma drills wasn't enough to fix the offense so they had to fire bill laser the offensive coordinator and it's obviously that's a that seems like much more so than malarkey in tennessee that seems much more like a true interim coach situation with dan campbell in miami since uh, i can't imagine who else would put out the sean payton the dolphins are interested in sean payton other than Stephen Ross's camp because, or somebody at least in the front office, maybe Mike Tannenbaum, but then that fits the Dolphins' mo to a T over these last few years because they did the same thing with Jeff Fisher. They've done the same thing with I think even like fucking John Gruden in the past. <laughs> They're out. Somebody in the Dolphins is out telegraphing their coaching man crushes in you know November every year. <laughs> it never fails. That would be kind of an interesting match, though, if if Peyton is gone from New Orleans, um, you know, because obviously they got a young quarterback who still has potential, based on you know who you talk or depending on who you talk to, a lot of people still like him a lot, and um, they've got weapons and getting him into the system that that Sean Payton runs that would be pretty interesting. I I, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Yeah, do you? Th- I mean, is it? Are, are we jumping the gun with Sean Payton leaving New Orleans? I mean, would it be wise for the Saints to move on? Uh, I, I mean, I don't think they should. I, I mean, it might not be. It might just be that he wants to leave based on I don't know what, but because um, like earlier in the year, it really felt like the Saints were kind of having a fire sale. 
Um, yeah. It's almost like they're entering this rebuild era, like era. And uh, so, it'll, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't think that they'll fire him. But if he wants to opt to out trade. or trade out, yeah, something like that, start fresh, uh, that could be kind of the situation. I, I don't know the situation in New Orleans well enough. It's kind of hard to read. Well, now, there, there's also um, something in his contract where if the ownership changes hands, he can walk away. And so there's been some talk about um, the Saints going over to the uh, the wife of Tom Benson. Yeah. And in that case, he would be able to walk away from his contract if he wanted to. And I think that's kind of what he, what got people talking about this. I think Breeze is gone. I just don't see a way they're going to keep him with this cap number and stuff like that. But Sean Payton, I, I, I would wonder why he would want to leave right now. Because remember, the fire sale evidently was his choice. They felt like the locker room wasn't where, where they wanted it to be, supposedly. And so they remade the locker room a little bit. And, and several times this year, even when they've been losing, they've been talking about how the locker room is so much better now. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they're throwing shade at the guys that's no longer there. Yeah. Um, but if the front office and the owner was behind you enough to trade away Jimmy Graham because you wanted the locker room to be the way you wanted it to be, I just can't see well, – I, I can't understand why he would want to walk away from that. Yeah. Because, obviously, he still has their full support. It's not like they're – you know, I can see if there are rumors or – you know, the Saints are looking around for a new head coach and maybe he felt some kind of way about that. But it kind of seems like they've been pretty good to him. And, and he's been pretty good to them as well. It's been a great relationship, I would say. Um, it's just time to rebuild a little bit. they got to find a new quarterback. they got to change some things up on defense. But, uh, you know, uh, unless there's something going on that we haven't heard about and unless the, the team itself, the ownership changes hands, I actually think he's going to be back. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that's kind of the, and the the thing with New Orleans, I think that's so different from all the other places where we're talking about, you know, potential coaching changes in the offseason is that you do have that ownership situation. I mean, Tom Benson obviously is not healthy. You saw you've seen that played out. And I, I guess that's not still finished either. But, you know, he's in a lawsuit with his own children <laughs> you know, trying to to stepchildren, but they adopted he and his former wife had adopted him. But you know, it, this is, the, you know, his daughter, I mean, that was at one point in time kind of handpicked to run the franchise for him. And then, you know, they had the falling out with his, when he was remarried and, and transferred ownership, you know, in the process of transferring ownership to her. And then Mickey Loomis is also um, involved with the Pelicans, his other team, and, and kind of the operations side of that. So his NBA team. So there's, it's Sean Payton's ship to captain. And I think that's something you just touched on, Steve. It's, it's you know he's he gets to call the shots. He gets to basically be the general manager there too. So, you know we'll see how that goes. I don't. I'm not a big fan of the head coach being the general manager, being the the last stop for personnel matters too. You don't. You, you know, it seems like yeah, that's great for Bill Belichick, but you know you see how that goes with Jeff Fisher, or Chip Kelly, or guys like that sometimes too. And speaking of Jeff Fisher and Chip <laughs> Kelly, it seems like uh, Chip Kelly's the other hot name on the rumor mill who might be uh, in or out of a job at the end of this season. Trade him to Tennessee. Make it happen. That's one rumor. Um, USC <laughs> is another, another rumor there for Kelly, and uh, he's denied it, obviously. You, know, you can't really acknowledge a coaching rumor when you've still got five games to play with your team. But you've even seen, uh, I guess, the agent for a player came out what last week and said, or earlier this week and said, Chip Kelly's out of his mind or nobody likes him. Something to his bullshit system, something to that extent that wasn't going over well with the players. And, uh, you had a former USC player that played for Chip in, uh, in, uh, in Philadelphia. And there's only been three USC players on the roster for Kelly. Uh, two of them are still on the roster. One of them is not. Um, so, it seems, that was the funniest thing about that uh, yeah. unnamed, uh, unnamed source is 
Once you say USC, look, it's only been so many. We all know who you're talking about. <laughs> you might as well use the name. <laughs> yeah, and of course, then like Matt Barkley was took to Twitter, and you know, immediately after that, it wasn't me. Yeah, what me? Yeah, it was. Put your hand down. <laughs> yeah. You acting like one of these DBs out here that's done commit committed past interference and throw your hands up. <laughs> you, know, you did it. You did it. We know you did it. Which is like the whole Barkley thing, even going back to his college in the draft time. He's like, I didn't, we didn't, you know, have all that shit go down in El Paso at the bowl game there. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of understand why, why he would say his experience w- w- was terrible. But why wouldn't you put your name on it? You're, you're not surprising anybody. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but but I, I I do wonder if that person knew that they were outing him when they identified him as a former USC player. Yeah. Or just that damn stupid. Yeah, and then there's always the question of, like, was he even on the record or not? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, you know, it, it's, we're in an interesting time. <laughs> when it really it is. <laughs> I, you know, I, I feel like, <clears throat> I mean – Obviously, Chip Kelly, the general manager, is is I think the bigger problem this year than Chip Kelly, the head coach, because right. you look back at some of the moves in the off season and they're iffy stuff, and then you know to to tie your horse, hitch your horse to Sam, hitch your wagon to Sam Bradford. To me, is always a questionable decision in the first place. But um, well, that's the thing with so many coaches that have a short. Well, I don't know if he has a short leash, but so many coaches and GMs basically rise and fall by their quarterback right and so you know that was a huge move and it's really not worked out for him and so he's going to be judged on that a lot um and that has like you know a snowball effect so it's it's really like they this is something that happens all the time like you you rise and fall by how well your quarterback plays if you have if you manage to find a quarterback and, and get him plugged into the system and and all that, then your lifespan as a coach or GM is definitely a lot longer. But yeah, uh, I think that's obviously the huge thing in this in all this that it seems like a real big miss with Sam Bradford so far. Yeah, well, that's, that's certainly part of it. But but here's the thing, and and, and, and we talk about this a lot all all season. He did the thing that you do not do as a GM. He gave away talent. Yeah, and he mm-hmm. did it over and over and over again. Okay, so you know it, it would be forgivable if he just missed on the quarterback. But you switch out your running backs, you switch out your offensive line, you know, you switch out some guys on defense, and most of those guys, you know, Maxwell have not come through, and you lobbied for the power to do this. Okay, you convinced the owner to change the direction of the team, basically, and remake the team in your image. And this is what you came up with. So I I think that had he not done, you you know, you look up and and Deshaun Jackson is scoring long touchdowns. Jeremy Macklin is scoring long long touchdowns. Mm -hmm. LaShawn McCoy is scoring touchdowns all this weekend. Your guys ain't scoring shit. <laughs> and these are your hand-hit guys. So, you know, not only is it that you hit on a, missed on a quarterback, not only is it maybe your system doesn't work, not only is it, you know, your defense that started off strong has fallen off, it's that you had a 10-16 and 16 for two years in a row. And then when you remade the team in your image, now you got this shit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just feel like, you know, he he basically has set the, the franchise back so far. If they choose to go in another direction, that that's why it would be unforgivable to me. And so you got to ask yourself, okay, look at where the trend line is going right now. Look at the guys who he handpicked and which one of them are actually living up to their contract. Or not even their contract, this is a decent player. Yeah, I mean, Sam Bradford wasn't playing like worth the damn anyway when he was healthy. Now you, you handpick Mark Sanchez to be his damn backup, and he's even worse. Yeah. And, and, and so these guys, man, their fucking right guard is terrible. I mean, absolutely awful. And, and uh, uh, this is something you see every, every, every week. 
these are your guys and they suck. Yeah. So do we let you continue to be the GM and remake this whole thing? Because the thing is, you can't take the GM keys from after a year. You know, if you really sold on his plan, you got to see the plan all the way out. Yeah. So if you're going to take the GM away from him, you might as well fire him as a coach because according to him, he needs his kind of guys. You know, uh, Sean McCoy is not a one-cut runner. What I tell y'all all season, if your offense, if Shady McCord doesn't fit in your offense, your offense fucking sucks. <laughs> and that's, that's the absolute truth. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I, I was, wasn't was sold on, on the moves he made in the offseason. It turns out, you know, most of us who were skeptical were right. And I just don't see how he's going to pull himself, how he's going to pull them out of this hole that he basically created for them. Well, yeah, and there's so much work to do now. You look at that defense is terrible. That defense needs big work. Big work. And this, you know, Byron Maxwell is another, you know, we, we, we talk about his offensive moves a lot, but Byron Maxwell is another move that Chip Kelly made. And they paid him a shitload of money to come in there and be their number one cornerback, and he hadn't been the number one cornerback to save his life, you know. And it, they've been, <laughs> been a terrible team on that side of the ball. And then you got, well, it's like they got to fix the offensive line. They got to fix the defense. You got to get it. It's just, it's, it's a mess. Their defense was pretty good to start the year. Um, But it's really, really fallen off over the last like month or so. So some, they're going in the wrong direction for sure, which is a terrible sign of course. Um, But I mean, Steve got, Steven said it perfectly in terms of you just don't give away talent. (laughs) <laughs> the example that he talks about is all these guys scoring touchdowns this week. Yeah. Uh, man, that'd be rough. As, as a Philly fan, that would be rough to see. Yeah, especially with DJX because it's like, man, he's catching passes from fucking Kirk Cousins. <laughs> exactly. And you, and you did not have to get rid of him. Like, that shit was out of the blue. Yeah. You know, we kind of forget now, but at the time, everybody was kind of like, they did what? Yeah. And then you let Jeremy Macklin walk too? Yeah. Okay, so let's look at your, your hand-picked guys, the rookie from last year and the rookie from this year. What the hell are they doing? Nothing. Yeah, and so, Macklin like wanted said, to stay. Yeah, both of them did. <laughs> you know, that, that's really why Deshaun lashed out the way he did, because he didn't want to leave. Yeah. People don't even understand, man, free agency is such a damn <sighs> crapshoot. Right. Just like Max, Maxwell's finding out right now. Most guys unless they have some, in some way, shape, or form been mistreated, want to stay where the hell they at. LaShawn yeah. McCoy had a whole bunch of, uh, 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 you know, stuff he didn't like last year, but he didn't want to leave either. Yeah. So, you know, he didn't have to do any of this shit. He just did it because he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and none of them make it. And that's why I think you got so much, the, the, the Chip Kelly is a racist stuff got so much play because – None of the moves just made any freaking sense. There had to be some explanation for it. Yeah. And, of course, he did that and kept Riley, <laughs> Riley Cooper. And look, and PFT look. Commoner's favorite receiver. <laughs> but listen, earlier this week, uh, one of the new guys, I think Malcolm Jenkins, I think, I think, now he's grumbling about how they run the team. Yeah. Because he says that uh, they don't call people out in front of, in front of everybody. They wait until you get your into your individual meeting rooms. And I'll be honest, I ain't never seen no shit like that before. The head coach usually takes the team meeting to call out some guys who need to be called out. Then you go in the, the full defense for offense meeting and get your ass chewed out again in front of everybody. Yeah. And I've been I was playing with Hall of Famers getting their ass chewed. So, you know, for him to say that, I, I'm really sitting here like, what? Hmm. That is absurd. Well, would you don't want to hurt nobody's feelings? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really don't get that because here's the thing. Iron sharpens iron. Most people don't really right. understand how much peer pressure makes guys play better. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the room, if the room see that you're the guy, you're the reason, hey, man, <laughs> all that buddy-buddy shit is out the window. We're going to have to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, say, for instance, if you're a team meeting, the offensive guys don't know who's messing up on, on defense. But then you find out in, in the meeting rooms and you say, oh, it's your ass that's costing us game. Yeah. And then you're sitting there 
you know, shrinking, you know, trying to disappear in front of everybody, sure enough. <laughs> but you know what? You're also thinking in your head, I don't want to be the weakest link anymore. I, yeah. I don't want this to ever happen again. And, and like I said, you know, I, I was on, basically on three different teams, never saw that happen, never heard of that happen before where you don't get called out in a team meeting or at least the offense-defense meetings. I mean, why are you even meeting if you're not calling anybody out? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially them. Shit, they just, what, ate two 40 burgers in a row? And you mm-hmm. still ain't calling anybody out? That's a problem. Yeah, I mean, what the only like the first team in NFL history wasn't something like that that where a quarterback put up four, five touchdowns and five no touchdowns. interceptions in back to back games against them. Yeah, that, that's what you call getting in the, in the rule book. I mean, the uh, record book for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was the Bucks and the Lions. It wasn't like it was Tom Brady and the Patriots. Who they right. play this week? Yeah, that 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 could get real ugly. <laughs> yeah. Now the Patriots won't have Gronk, so I guess there that does factor in there a little bit. But and I think supposedly him and Belichick are kind of like friends or something. You know, Belichick went and studied his yeah power plays on the sideline and you know speed and everything else. So I guess they're friendly. But you know, no, <laughs> no, with Belichick either. You just might choose to be an asshole this weekend. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's not like he's going to go easy on you because you're his friend. Right, you just never know. <laughs> <laughs> that did you see that clip of him at the press conference uh, this week about the Gronkowski thing? That, that was the best. <laughs> I it loved was, it. I loved moment. The, the first moment was when they asked him his emotions. And he looked like he was going to come over there and snatch dude <laughs> right out the chair and just pull his heart out of his chest. Like, that's the chair he gave me. Like, if you was his kid, you'd have just ran to your room. You know, it was kind of just there. <laughs> but then when he came back with the other one, where he's, like, keeping a straight face somehow. I don't know how he did it. But I'm just trying to be helpful, as helpful as we can be, help you do your job, giving you this information. If you have a problem with that. That was the funniest shit. I don't know how he kept a straight face, but he was, like, just so damn condescending and, and, and sarcastic. Oh, we're just trying to help you out. You know, anything we can do. You know, you take care of All right, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I hope. I, I mean, I, I hope he never retires. I mean, I know he's going to at some point, but I, it's just it, what a treat! What a treat, man! <laughs> Imagine him just being a GM when he could really talk a little bit more, but he still won't. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I just was waiting for him to. Hey, I'm just here so I won't get fined. Uh, that's basically what he. I <laughs> know <laughs> he mastered that shit. He mastered <laughs> that playbook. He almost smiled. He really almost smiled, and then he beat it back into yeah. submission. <laughs> like, he was really about to, then he went right back to being Belichick. I was like, man, never, ever change. Never change. He beat it back into submission. I love that. <laughs> you almost see, like, him willing his face not to smile. I swear. He almost cracked one. He was like, nope, 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 nope. Not going to happen. <laughs> Oh, man. And if anybody hasn't seen that, it's on our Facebook page. Excuse me. Go check it out. It's fucking hilarious. It's yeah. it's the maybe the greatest press conference, one of the greatest press conference moments. It's right up there with playoffs or, or some of those kind of <laughs> situations. We had another good press conference last week, too, with Jeff Fisher at the end of the rams Bengals game. When uh and somebody oh, yeah. said, kiss my ass, kiss my ass. <laughs> if you want to question my play, the effort out there, you can kiss my ass. It's like, oh, fish. I don't think anybody's questioning the effort on the player's part. I think that the uh, problem is readily apparent to anyone who's been watching this team over the last few years. But yeah, that was a really. I mean, talk about just a an absolute terrible performance. I mean, I know they weren't favored to win that game anyway, but. Woof. I mean, you had moments where, like, you know, they just fucking straight up forgot to cover A.J. Green. You know, maybe the one guy you kind of want to cover on the field. Yeah, I remember that. When you're playing the Bengals. Probably a good idea to keep a man on A.J. Green, but Janoris Jenkins went over to play the interception on that touchdown. I was like, well, 
<laughs> yeah, he was just he, he was trying to he was trying to kind of rob the route, you know, like yeah, he sink, and so he figured the quarterback wasn't gonna see him. Oh, he saw you, buddy, but you, <laughs> and you didn't see AJ Green. But you know, some guys are gonna take those chances. It kind of reminds me of um, Asante Samuel. Yeah, he would do that a lot, and he was successful a lot, but he also gave up a lot of big plays too. Yeah, and it's kind of the same thing that Janoris Jenkins was doing. Yeah, but I tell you what. Anybody that let Nick Foles throw 48 times and only get a ball to, to Todd Gurley nine times should exactly. have been fired before they got to the goddamn uh, locker room. It's unbelievable. I mean, it, 48 times, three interceptions, and nine carries for Todd Gurley. And it's the guy, the dude, I mean, and this is Foles that they just freaking benched. I mean, they right, just benched exactly. him a week ago. He's only in there because they got caught lying about uh, Case Keenum's concussion. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, like, how do you even when you're at meetings going over this, and they tell you this is the game plan? How do you not say, "Get out! I, you're fired. Go find me a new offense coordinator." Especially Seriously. when all year you've been talking about all you've heard is like, "We're gonna run the ball. We're gonna stay. We're a run first team. We're gonna establish that run game." And it's like, well, in two of your last three games. Gurley's had nine carries and 12 carries. I mean, it's just like you're not a run first team at that point anymore. <laughs> and, and it's not like they were down big. That, that's the no. thing about it. This was a close game for most of the game. And you're still not handing it off to the dude who you've ridden to a couple of wins this year. I don't get, like, what in the hell is going on? <laughs> I, it doesn't make any sense. And now it's a four game skid, and everyone's like, well, he's got to be on the hot seat. He's got to be on the hot seat. And I told somebody the other day, now before the seasons, this was before this four game streak. I mean, this was early in the season. I was told to expect Fisher to get a contract extension. I mean, I almost turned in my letter of resignation that day. I was like, <laughs> I don't think I could do this job anymore. I can't. Uh, but I, I recovered and I came back and, you know, refocused a little bit. But it's, it's, <laughs> And then, so that was coming up again this week. I'm like, no, it's not. He, he's not going anywhere because the owner is more concerned with moving his team right now than he is in winning games. Mm. And I don't know what, essentially, what difference it would make for a coach to be involved in a move. I mean, it's not like he's the one that's got to make sure all the boxes are packed and stuff. But uh, apparently, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the way it goes. The Rams. So I would say anyone that asks me, and it'll come up again and again and again, is Fisher on the hot seat? I would say he is not on the hot seat, and he will most likely get a contract extension <laughs> um, at some point uh, when they are in Los Angeles. That's just so absurd to me. I, I don't. I don't get it. Like I really don't. I, it, like he. Like the, the owner understands that. He's going to need people to actually come to the stadium after they move, right? Yeah. I, because if you get this man an extension, that means he's going to show up every day thinking he has a job. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you're going to take this crap that we're seeing in St. Louis, throw it out in L.A. and expect people to show up and watch that. Yeah. I, I don't see it happening. Well, yeah, and that's it. It's like you're not, you're not, in, you're changing, you know, you're talking about going from the St. Louis media market to the second largest media market in the country. And I mean, I know Los Angeles isn't like, you know, New York where you've got the New York Post and the New York Daily News riding your ass every day, no matter what happens. But <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's not going to be, I mean, St. Louis literally has one NFL beat writer. One. One. So it's not like they put him on the hot, you know, it's not like you're just, you just got a flamethrower on you constantly and, and coaching football in St. Louis. Oh no, they know. I mean, the Rams have known that for years and that's why they're so tightly controlled with their media stuff there. That's hmm. like, why would we, why would we open the doors to anybody when we can open the doors to a few people and ensure that our coverage is, we don't have to worry about any bad press. And it's like, well, now you don't have a fan base and now you're, Shipping off to Los Angeles anyway, but yeah, I can't imagine. And Fisher's in the last. This will be he's next year is the last year of his original five year contract. So that's kind of interesting because there's that theory that you know you don't want a coach to go into his lame duck season without an extension like that. 
sort of like the Colts have done with Chuck Bajana, who's another guy that might very well get fired at the end of the season. That's a weird one, isn't it? Because that's like a power play sort of thing in the in the front office, isn't it? They just don't it get sure along. Looks like it. In. It, it is, sure looks like it, yeah. Is Pagano well-liked by the players? Now that I don't know. Yeah. It's an interesting one. I, you know, it's uh, always one of those weird things when the Colts have been successful for how many X years in a row. You know, they've won that division so many years in a row. Um, and then they're just creating strife where there doesn't need to be any, you know? Right. So it's always weird. The teams always get in the way, in their own way. It seems like just because of egos and things like that. And that's kind of part of the whole. I think that's part of the Eagles thing too. Is that Chip Kelly did the power play, and now it's like, okay, well, you did that. Now you better, you know, come correct or whatever. And and he really hasn't. So I don't know. It's an, the the Colts thing is an interesting one though, especially with the way that Andrew Luck has been playing lately. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, I don't know what the you know what the what the answer is there because Grigson you know he won the the executive of the year a couple of years ago but he hasn't exactly you know wowed everyone with some of the moves that he's made and it looks like the the veteran additions he made this year haven't exactly you know panned out as as well as people thought I and like Andre Johnson's been pretty invisible uh, Frank Gore's been okay but you know he's not exactly carrying the run game and. Uh, so, I don't know. It's, it's, Indy is an interesting one. Yeah, and it's, you know, maybe with, the, with Lux injury and him going out, you know, for, I mean, they haven't put him on IR yet. I don't know if he'll be back or not. It's a, the lacerated kidney doesn't sound like it's a minor thing. No. Sounds like he'll be back, but it is, it's. Well, pretty- they could still win the AFC South is what's so weird about the Colts <laughs> situation. Now, the Texans are playing a lot better, and so I think they're going to get a run for their money there. But it's <laughs> the ex- unexciting Colts-Texans AFC South playoff race. There could be two playoff teams from the AFC South this year. <laughs> I mean, in theory. That's the dark side of parody. <laughs> yeah. Or something like that. Any are there any other coaches out there that like come to mind when you think dudes on the hot seat? I mean, before the before the Lions started kind of doing well this year, you could have wondered what was going to happen with Jim Caldwell. Even though he survived all the you know the purge in Detroit, I think he could probably have been on the on the warm seat at least. Uh, but now after he's kind of, it seems like they're kind of getting things back on the right track. He probably will be safe going forward. Though I, I don't know. What do you think, Stephen? What do you think about the whole Jim Caldwell thing? I think <clears throat> if they continue this turnaround, he's safe. Yeah. Because they're going to feel like you righted the ship. Yeah. Um, and you're going to ride their wave. You, you know, you kind of got fans coming back around on him now that they're actually doing stuff that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now is it a guarantee that they're going to continue to win and continue to play well? No, because, you know, tendencies are a funny thing. We tend to go back to them even when we're doing well, doing something else. It's weird. So uh, if they can maintain um, kind of this positivity they, they've had the last three weeks winning game, even if they don't win, just, you know, putting forth better showing, then I think he's safe. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> the guy, the guy who comes to mind for me Probably not to a lot of people, but Gus Bradley. Like, mm. I really expected the Jaguars to be further along. Now, obviously, they lost their first round pick this year before he ever played it down. So you got to, you know, account for the fact that they're still trying to build enough talent to win down there. But they, they do have quite a bit of talent. Yeah. But they're still not winning. So, you know, at some point, you got to ask yourself, and especially, you know, he's a defensive guy, and the defense has been good against the run, but, man, they, they have been so iffy in some games. Yeah. So uh, Blake Bortles continues to kind of be a little loose with the football at times, at the worst times, really, of the game. You play a great game, and then all of a sudden he fumbles or he throws the ball away to the other team. It, it's just, you know, I, I feel like the Jaguars maybe feel like Maybe they can't do any better than him right now. 
Yeah. But if you look at his body of work after, I think this this is what his third year. Yeah. You're starting to wonder when are they going to start to turn the corner? You know, when when are you going to? You see flashes, but you've seen flashes every other year, and so you just start to wonder, like, <laughs> if you couldn't win or contend for the AFC South this year, when will you be able to? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a weird. That's a strange situation. And Khan's been the owner has been probably more patient than a lot of people. And I know that when they brought in Bradley and the new general manager Caldwell down there, that they had a lot of work to do. But it still seems like they should be better than they are right now. Now yeah. I should point out, matter of fact, he has something in, in common with Jeff Fisher because his quarterback threw the ball exactly 48 times this weekend, too, <laughs> while T.J. Yelton also only got nine carries. It, it's the weird anomaly, but it actually did happen, and both of those things lost. That's not a coincidence. Yeah, and they and, and they have Greg Olson's their offensive coordinator, and I've seen Greg Olson up close and personal from because, you know, he coached the Rams. He was the Rams he OC the for a while. He coached the Bucks too, yes. We, we have that in common. So yeah. I've never been just – wholesale impressed with his work overall nope and it seems like i mean because he coached the rams offense when they had steven jackson now steven jackson was like this was at the prime of his career and like you know they used his to his credit they used his receiving talents but sometimes that came at the expense of his ability as a running back an actual runner too so you know i but you know here again these guys keep winding up with uh with jobs like this in the NFL and in <laughs> retreads teams the meritocracy role Peter King that says it's a meritocracy. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, he, was no, he was actually defending Fisher with that Kingdom sh- uh, stuff. Oh yeah. That's, absolutely. hundred I mean, percent. How ridiculous is that? No, that's what I don't you know, it's like your trainer was out on the field. And nobody fucking knew what was. I mean, we talked about this on, on our last yeah. podcast, but it's just like you can't. Def- I mean, and not to let the refs or the spotter off the hook either. I mean, there's a lot of blame to go around in that situation, but everybody fucking shares in that blame. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and look, here's the thing: you can blame everybody else, but they're supposed to be backups to the primary system, which is your own damn team and your own damn trainer. So I'm gonna go out on the limb and say. Maybe the spotter and the referees looked and saw that player go talk to your head trainer and figured, hey, it's taken care of, right? So I don't see how the head trainer, if not the head coach, don't bear the brunt of the responsibility for this. I mean, to say that nobody was at fault or, you know, you're not pointing fingers is bullshit. Yeah. Your head trainer talked to this man. He could have went out there and got seriously fucking injured. Already had a concussion, probably couldn't think straight, and he slapped him on the ass and told him to go back out there and play. Somebody ought to be suspended or fired, and, quite and, honestly. And the whole, well, that's what Eric Winston, the president of the Players Association, was saying yesterday. It's like, we're not going to drop this because, you know, they fucked up. And, and, and to take the player's word for it that he was okay. And that's the whole reason you have this system in place. Right. Right. Going back to that Colt McCoy thing is is like well this is to prevent the players because a player you know you can't be surprised that a player's gonna say I'm fine I'm gonna shake it off I'm gonna get you know get me back in the game here yeah they don't want to get Wally Pipped or whatever well yeah ninety five percent of the players can't don't have the job security to take themselves out like voluntarily yeah and I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame put too much blame on the players for that that's an understandable reaction I mean I you know you <laughs> see it in in damn near any job you do but it's you know and that's why it falls to that it's like your head trainer let a guy put him let a guy with a concussion put himself back in the game you bear some responsibility in that because that fucker answers to you you're his boss man right it's nobody nobody been punished for this how in the fuck of course and you say you and say and you say you're for player safety nobody was fucking punished for this that is horseshit. Yeah. Okay. Pure point blank. Steven, Peter King, it, it, it just fucking disgusted me on Twitter defending this asshole. Oh, because, yeah. Because, okay, if it ain't his fault, whose fault is it? Because you got a kid who's got a concussion, 
He already ain't thinking straight. Of course, he's gonna tell you he's okay. You're back. Yeah, you used to be starter. Now backup quarterback started throwing and warming up. It, uh, one of the offensive linemen on the field helped the guy off the field in the first place. Everybody saw this shit. Stop acting like oh well, it just slipped through the cracks. No, it didn't. You fucked up. Your head trainer fucked up, and possibly somebody else fucked up. But I know those two people for sure fucked up and should yeah, be sanctioned. Absolutely. So you know, in no other situation are we going to look and say these two people definitely were involved. We know the head trainer talked to them. We know the head trainer answers to the head coach, and yet neither of these guys is so much as find a dollar. Yeah. I, I don't. So to me, here's the thing: and if you're the head trainer, and we've heard these tales time and time again. Most of the time, you defer to the head coach because yeah. that's the man who basically hired you and could fire you. Yeah. And so there's a conflict of interest there anyway, which is the whole reason why we have the independent slaughter now. Yeah. So to me, if that being the case, if you really want to make this be, you know, have some teeth to it, they ought to set up a structure for, okay, if this happens again, your head trainer it's suspended without pay for a couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. And if it happen, happens more than once, the head coach is going to be suspended without pay. Exactly. Got, uh, 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 all these different uh, schedules for suspensions and fines for everything else, but something like a, a guy having a concussion and being allowed to go back in the game, we don't have any kind of you know punishment already set up and baked into the system. Yeah. Well, that's why people don't care. Yeah. No, and it's ironic. It's like, man, he'd have been out of that game so fast if he, like, if he had to, took his knee pads out, they'd have had him pulled off the field quicker than a in a New York minute. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's a, a concussion. Ah, you know, whatever. That's what I mean. The whole thing. It's like if you want this concussion policy to work, if you want this protocol to work, you got to put some teeth into it. I mean, you've mm-hmm. got to have some accountability in it. Because the system that's in place now is fine. I mean, I'm sure it could be better, but. It has the right checks and balances in it, but when there's no accountability, well, well, who cares? I mean, what are you gonna? You're not gonna break your back to follow rules if you're not gonna get in trouble for it, right? Exactly, and especially if you're already scared for your job, if you already deferred to the head coach anyway. Yeah. So you know, if it comes down to whether or not you make the right decision for the player, or you get suspended without pay, I bet you more of these head trainers will stand up and do the right thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and I, that's to me. If they really want to say they want to get serious about this, then that's you know, I'd rather see them do that than add more ticky tack rules about where and where you can't hit a player. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it, it, I this is just so frustrating to me because you know this was very preventable. Literally, everybody saw it. And nothing happened to anybody. You know, just, oh, well, you know, it happens. No, we, you keep talking about player safety. You put in all these new rules where you can hit people and all this shit. Get in independent slaughters. No, it's 2015. It doesn't just happen anymore. Yeah. Now when it happens, somebody's at fault. Somebody should pay. Yeah. Players have to pay when they hit somebody up high. They get fined, right? Yeah. So you send somebody back in the damn game, you should be punished as well. Yeah. Well, and players can even get suspended if they hit, you know, for hits occasionally. What? I mean, it's it's just it's 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 classic NFL ad hoc rulemaking. Over your ass. Over your ass. Yeah, exactly. This is what the lawyers tell us we got to do, so we'll make sure we do <laughs> the lawyers <laughs> in the PR department. And I just can't believe somebody that's supposed to be an independent journalist will look at that and say it's okay. Like that was just ridiculous. Oh, no, he's a good man. I don't give a shit about him being a good man. He wasn't a good man in that moment when he sent an injured player back out there possibly to get further injured. Well, I don't give a shit. They have the if same agent. Ties and, and everything else. Same he wasn't agent. a good man like then. What, him and Peter King? Yeah. They don't survive. Fisher man. and Peter King, Marvin Demoff's their agent. And uh, his Marvin Demoff's son is the vice president, executive vice president for the Rams. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> Meritocracy <laughs> in action. All right, that's we've talked about the Rams and the Jaguars, and if we still have anybody left, we should talk about a, <laughs> a more exciting subject. Um, here's a game I'm kind of excited about this weekend. 
And uh, it's Seattle at Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty impressed with this Minnesota team, I got to tell you. I know they're not as good as the Panthers or as good as the Cardinals even in the NFC, but they're pretty damn good nonetheless. And I think a lot of it has to do that we've talked about the defense on here before, but uh, you go to the other side of the ball and it's, it's Adrian Peterson carrying that offense. And am yeah. I am I wrong to say is that a stretch? Am I exaggerating a little bit? But I, I mean, he's quietly having like a not a career year, but on like a close to a career year, one of the better years in his career. And and obviously, it's kind of flying under the radar a little bit. He's not in MVP contention because of uh, you know his last like season or whatever, and and all the charges and everything. But uh, man, yeah, he's 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 really he's the foundation of that offense. You know, they're a run first offense. Um, they're not asking Teddy Bridgewater to do all that much in terms of the pass game. And so, you know, they're, they're definitely built for like a, like a, they're a postseason type team in terms of they play really good defense. They can play in any weather. Um, you know, they're definitely kind of one of those dark horses teams. They could actually win the NFC North still. So it's going to be really interesting to see this, this game with the Seahawks will be kind of a good litmus test to see kind of where both teams are at. Yeah, it really is. I mean, because it's tough for the Seahawks to go on the road, play early game. Um, it's outdoors, you know, in Minnesota, so you know the weather's maybe going to be a factor. This kind of has the feel of like a postseason game. So, and and you yeah, know, the Seahawks, are you, you're making ex- are you making excuses for the Seahawks already? <laughs> no, not at all. I actually, I'm <laughs> just joking. <laughs> I picked the Seahawks in this one. Um, that's not to say that I don't like the Vikings, but I just think. Uh, this is the way the teams match up it's going to be uh in seattle's favor in terms of this kind of like the way the seahawks have been built to mm-hmm. stop teams like this so it, it's going to be uh for me obviously that's a big game to watch but i think it's going to be a good like uh pre or postseason kind of preview type thing it'll just lay the groundwork for both where these teams kind of finish off the year steven your thoughts on that game uh think is is definitely i think i know who the vikings are i'm still trying to figure out who the seahawks seahawks are mm-hmm. this Same year man. um and, and you know i was joking with dan about that last week i just for once in the in recent memory i don't really trust the seahawks to win games i think they should win they might win the game but i'm not sure about it it used to be games where you could just say the defense is going to ball out you know, the running game is going to do well. Russ is going to make enough plays to win. But I just don't know. And listen, this Minnesota defense will get after you. And we know the problems that Seattle's had on their offensive line. Jimmy Graham's out now. Uh, obviously, they have other tight ends as well. And they have other uh, weapons on offense. The, the young rookie running back, Rawls, has been a revelation. But this deep, you know, if there's a defense that's underrated in the league, the most underrated defense is probably the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. And we talked about this before. It's because they don't have a whole lot of big names. But Coach Zimmer is a coach after my own heart because pretty much (laughs) in every phase of that team, they do stuff that makes sense. Yeah. Right? They're not trying to be cute. They're going to line up and run Adrian Peterson. And let's be honest, nobody – I'm not even sure Cam Newton is more important to his team's uh, success than, uh, you know, A.D. Adrian Peterson wasn't there last year, and that team was markedly different. Yeah. Now that they can hand off the ball to him 20-plus times a game, you have to account for that. And especially now, like, he's gotten stronger as the season has gone on. He's probably, at the very least, going to get his second-highest rushing total this season. That's crazy. So it, it, it really is. You know, everybody's talking about, is he going to slow down after 30 and all? Obviously not. You know, knock on wood, as long as he doesn't get hurt, he's probably going to get at least close to or maybe surpass his second-highest high, rushing total of his career. Yeah. And while, while I love Teddy Bridgewater, they haven't asked much, a, a, a whole lot of him this year at all. And they haven't had to because – of Adrian Peterson and the running game, of course, helps the defense because they don't have to be out there as much. I just, you know, don't excuse anything about the situation with his son beating his son. So we've already expressed our, our sentiments about that. But on the field, 
he would at least be in my top three MVP candidates right now. Yeah. And if, look, the, the, the Seahawks, we know their defense is supposed to shut people down, but it hasn't done that consistently lately. Mm-hmm. And so if they get, if they allow Adrian Peterson to get going, that game could definitely go either way. I actually picked the Vikings because I have a hard time picking teams that come from west to east and then have to play early and then you're in the weather. Uh, and I just don't really trust the Seahawks anymore. Yeah. But I really do think it could go either way. I was just looking at the picks here. It seems like that I – yeah, to tell you what a, what a different world this is now. It, the, it looks like the uh, – where is it here? Here we go. Uh, it's about 50-50. I think there's a few more picks for the Seahawks than there are the – there's one more pick for the Seahawks than there are the Vikings. So it's basically kind of split, but uh, it's it's interesting to say the least. I, this isn't a bad week. This is a better week than last week was for games. I mean, you've got the uh, – I think KC Oakland is probably a, a decent little undercard for the week. All right, maybe I'm overselling it a little bit here, but – <laughs> any, is there any other games that stand out to y'all? I'm just pulling up the schedule here. Um, we talked about Thursday's game. Uh, the Jets-Giants, I'm not super interested in that one. I, the Chiefs-Raiders. Yeah, I just about to say the same one. Chiefs are open. I think it tells us a lot about both teams because uh, yeah. I think the Raiders are a pretty good team. I think uh, Kansas City is actually bouncing back quietly. Yeah, uh, kind of under the totally. radar, and, and they're playing pretty good football. But um, they're going to be without uh, their left outside linebacker uh, Houston. Yeah, who got hurt last. Week. I think he's going to be out this week. Maybe and he's a monster. Yes, Justin Houston is a bad. You know what? So, <laughs> uh, so have him. Tom Bahali has actually been playing great lately, but they're going to miss Justin Houston being out there. Yeah. I guess that one will be better than the Bears 49ers game. <laughs> Was one like watching playing Gabbard? What? So our Niners blog had a post that's like, Blaine Gabbert playing well is the worst thing that's happened to the 49ers this season. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, you know what? They've kind of got a point. I said, it's kind of one of those weird headlines, but yeah, he's kind of got a point here. (laughs) Well, you know, here's another interesting wrinkle to this Vikings uh, Seahawks game this week. If the Vikings win, um, Obviously, they're in, in, in good shape for the playoff in the, in the NFC North race. I mean, they're, they're a game ahead of the Packers. But uh, the Cardinals play the Rams, and I don't think anybody's picking the Rams to beat the Cardinals. But it's one of those games where you could still wind up surprised when it's all said and done. And if the Vikings win and the Cardinals lose, you've got two 9-3 and three teams, and they'll play each other next week. So you could have uh, the second seed in the NFC on the line here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. There's a lot of there's a lot of cool scenarios still open. Like I was saying earlier, like there's still a lot that could happen to shake things up in the in the NFC. Well, both with both uh, conferences really. So yeah, all these these potential scenarios. You got ten teams in the NFC below 500 right now. Wow. <laughs> look at the look at the NFC East. <laughs> the, their top teams are, are both have losing records, and they can't give that division away. Well, that's what everyone in the NFC is talking about—that five seed because they want to be able to um, go on the road and face off against the NFC East winner because they're going to be the worst division winner probably. In the- <laughs> yeah, and you know, but that, that's fine because, like, how does that work out? Like, remember when the Seahawks went in 2010? They went with yeah. the 7-9, the and nine, and then the Panthers last year went with a set. What, they were 7-8-1 and because they had that tie. Mm-hmm. And both but then they were facing teams, the Cardinals without the quarterback. Yeah, that's true. But it's, it's not quite the slam dunk you think it is. No. Definitely. I just don't want Washington to get it because then I can't even begin – I'm going to have to just close Twitter forever if Kirk Cousins goes to the playoffs. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, and I can't even imagine what poor Bomani Jones mentions are going to be if that happens. <laughs> 
And not to mention just how sanctimonious Dan Snyder and that whole thing will be if the if the Washington NFL team wins that division. Ooh, <laughs> shudder to think about it. Yeah. Um. All right, fellas, we've got a we got a good show in the can as is. We got we got uh, we got some some hot seat talk. We got some playoff talk. Uh, even we even met our Jaguars quotient for the month. So I think we're set on that front for a while. So uh, we could just let Uncle Chaps kind of take over on the on that beat again. Because you never know what Uncle Chaps is going to be tweeting out. What scoops are going to be? He's always up to something. <laughs> The, the he got me with the Manziel one yesterday. I, I looked on Twitter. I'm like, oh shit, Manziel, and then like, damn it, I got chapsed. <laughs> he got got. <laughs> All right, well let's uh, let's let's enjoy some Week 13 football and do this again next week. How's that sound? Let's do it. All right. All right. Let's. Uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Sounds good. Oh.